I'm Al Stewart, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Joining me is Swim Swam's head of production, Coleman Hodges. And today, we have a very special guest, a man with unique Olympic history, three-time Olympic medalist, the future prime minister of Tunisia, Osama Malouli. What's up? I only get a what's up after that introduction. I should be like, what's up? Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mel. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll jump right into it. And I'll say that I was late to the OS fan club. Uh, I was aware of you. I followed you. But I wasn't a true OS fan until I saw you crush Hackett in person in 2008 at the Olympic Games. And then I was like, there might be some love here. There might be a little bit of love happening right now. That was a great swim. Um, did you feel the love for yourself in that moment? Oh, it was, um, you know, it's like that one moment where, where it's, it's just like pure glory after a lifelong of hard work. And it's, uh, it's so hard to reach. So uh, it's, it's very special. And everybody that steps on the Olympic podium can say the same thing. It might sound cliche to you because you've done so many interviews and you've talked to so many Olympic gold medalists. But it, it, it's extra special for me because, believe it or not, I'm like the first Olympic gold medalist swimmer from my continent, from Africa, and from my country, which is a very small country in, in, the North, Africa, in North Africa. So it's just – it was – very special, yeah. And a very tough event in the, in the 1500 freestyle, which is, you know, I take pride in being the first American trained swimmer to win the 1500 after Brian, Brian Goodell in the 80s. So to take down an Australian for an American trained swimmer was a huge accomplishment for me and a lot of pride for, for me as a Tunisian swimmer, but also for me as a, as a Trojan. So definitely a special day. Where are you? Are you are you there now? I mean, you get your shirt on. Are you in LA? I'm in LA, but I'm down in Mission Viejo with uh, Coach Schubert because um, SC is shut down right now, as you know, with COVID. Uh, university policy is not inviting kids back to school yet, so um, and athletes are not going to be an exception. So the pool is is still shut down at USC, and I'm training with uh, my second home here in Southern California, which is the Mission Viejo Nadadores. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it was, I, I read that you trained under Jeremy Kipp. Was, did he coach you? Okay, so you, you must be feeling good about the new hire at USC. He's the new head of USC coaching staff. Oh, absolutely. I think Jeremy has done great as an assistant coach under Salo, and um, we missed him. Obviously, he left a big void in the team. Um, I've been following his career ever since, and he's done some great things, whatever he, he's been. Um, I had the pleasure to work with him for, uh, I think, one Mediterranean Games. We went and traveled together and did the Mediterranean Games in Pescara, and I had uh, a dominant showing there and won five gold medals at the Mediterranean Games, which was a record-breaking uh, performance for me. And um, very confident that Kip is going to be able to uh, – you know, step in and take that leadership role and, and, you know, rebuild the men's program and continue the women's program success. 
So the last nice. time that you were, uh, the last time USC had a head coaching change, you were there, and we just talked to Salo. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. <laughs> you just, we just <laughs> talked to Salo uh, the other week, and he said that uh, that that transition wasn't, you know, was wasn't as smooth for some athletes as it was for others. <laughs> he said one day, um, you know, he came well, up we got to you. Sto- like, we, got, we got stories. Yeah. How, how did, you know, swimming swimming for Mark Schubert for so long, how did you adjust to Salo? Oh, I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> I, I mean, I, mean, I, I was going to snob the guy that did. Uh, I was thinking to myself when he first came in, a very educated guy, obviously very smart guy with a PhD, knows a lot about swimming and very respectable. I mean, um, I grew up being a fan of Aaron Pearsall and, and Jason Lisak and all the, all the great guys coming out of SoCal. So um, obviously I had the respect, you know, you got to show respect when it's due. And I did, but I mean, the guy didn't, know a thing about distance swimming or the 400 IM, which was my specialty. And, and then he comes in here and he, what is he going to teach me? <laughs> so I took my stuff and actually that summer when he took over, one, I was very upset that Mark left and it was an abrupt situation. I felt like the rug was taken from underneath us and a lot of kids on the, on the team back then felt the same way. We obviously didn't want... Um, Mark to leave, especially as I was coming up and I was hoping to really peak in those years. That was my prime, huh? So I was very upset and I was starting to scramble, where should I go next? So I looked at Georgia and went and hang out with, um, with, uh, with Jack and, and Georgia and some of the guys over there. And uh, also went and spent the summer in the south of France and trained with Laura Monadou's coach, uh, Philippe Lucas. And that was the first time where I spent an extended amount of time outside of the U.S. training, um, and I did not like it. I felt like the culture outside of the U.S., the, the, I felt out of place, to be honest with you. I wasn't having a good time training. I wasn't fired up about going to workouts. So I was like, listen, I'm just going to go back to Salo and see what happens, and, and we did great things. <laughs> so did Salo share the same story with us, Coleman? We had Salo on. He's got another story. He's got another story. <laughs> his, his, his story was, was one day, you, he, he's like, oh, this was kind of in and out, wishy-washy. And one day I was like, Can you can't swim here unless you do it my way. <laughs> wishy-washy. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, uh, which I appreciated, that very, um, at the very beginning he set the tone right. He was... He acknowledged that there's going to be some differences in the program. There's going to be some changes, but he was very open. I think he was very open to the older guys and, and he kept the conversation open and he's a very humble and flexible person, um, you know, considering what he's done. Um, and I think very quickly I reacted well to his, to his style and he was very receptive to my ideas. So it was, it was a very respectable partnership and we carried it on for, for a long time. It worked out for a long time. For anybody who's not familiar with you, let's just get, let's get, get to 2012 and, 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 and drop it real fast. You, you, you came back and you got a bronze medal in the pool in the 1500 meters. Swam faster than you did in 2008. It's a faster swim. Uh, Soon Young kicked your butt by nine seconds. It was, it was bad. I was crying. 
I, you know, I was, it was, I was a bitter moment, but I was happy that you swam a personal best and picked up a medal. And, uh, but then you turned around and you won gold in the 10 K in open water. And I, you're the first person to win in the pool and in open water and won Olympics. Has anybody done it since? No, I think they're still working on it. Um, it might happen this summer. It might happen. Um, but yeah, I think that, that, I mean, to go back to what you're talking about, the 1500 in, in London, um, very special 1500 for me because I haven't swam that well after Beijing. I just kind of plateaued for a little while. Well, actually, 2009, I won um, my world title in, in, the, in the space, to, as my people used to call them. <laughs> And, um, yeah, but I plateaued for a little bit. I had some ups and downs. I, I was, I was dealing with injuries and I wasn't very confident. So going in there and, and really being clutched that day in the 1500 with that type of field lined up for that 1500, it was one of the fastest 1500s ever. Um, cause with my performance, I would have medaled in any Olympic final till then. So, uh, very proud of that bronze medal a lot of things have, have happened in my personal life outside of the swimming pool and a lot of changes have been happening in my country that definitely affected me and, and the media came came down on me pretty hard so I was dealing with all of that and uh, to just come back and, and win a bronze in the 1500 was definitely something special and from that point on I, I pretty much was was untouchable on the 10k well, what was going on I mean it's here's the thing Nobody knows these backstories, and when you're you, you, the pressure to, to to compete at that level is so high, and uh, sometimes you're fighting your own life and all the BS that happens, things that are that are not you know sometimes they're in your control, sometimes they're not. Can you share any of the things that you were going through? Yeah, you well, know? Tunisia went through a revolution in 2011, and I was one of the I was the highest profile athlete in the country up until then. So after the revolution, there's been some reports that my, my ties with the old regime were, were too tight. And I was basically an embarrassment for the country for being that tied up to the political regime, which wasn't true. I mean, as you know, in a lot of these countries, we, as athletes, all we want to do is represent the flag and represent the people and, and you know, do well and set an example for the, the kids that will be aspiring and look at us for inspiration. Um, I had no political ambitions back then. I still, I still don't. And uh, so it was pressure for me to really deliver post-revolution for my country. Otherwise, I would have been stamped as the, as the kid that was um, the the poster child of the old regime. And that was that was that was heavy. That sounds heavy. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like a very unique situation that no other Olympian had to deal with. Arab Spring, two thousand eleven. I. I uh, yeah. Wow. I, you know, that's, what's interesting is that I'm, I, we we all watched it all over, all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, but it seemed far removed from us. Um, but yeah, here's so my th country, the, the Arab spring happened in Tunisia, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, it just kind of was a domino effect to, to the rest of the region. And I was very proud to represent my country as a, as a free man. And, my whole life, I, I lived overseas. I mean, my whole adulthood life, I lived in, in France for the rest of my high school. I lived in the U.S. for this, I mean, over 15 years now that I've been living in the U.S. And democracy is something that's embedded in me and freedom of speech and all those things. So I was 
was really proud that my country was going through that change and setting the tone for the region. And I wanted to make my country proud of me. I, I didn't want that, that label of, you know, you were great in that era and now that era is gone, you're done. Which, you know, that summer in Shanghai in 2011 was the first world championships long course where I, I just fell short of the podium. And I was, I think I was fourth in the 800 and, my 1500, I bombed my 1500. I didn't even make the, the final. It was a very d disappointing pre-Olympic year for me. So I had to really pick the pieces back up and work through Olympic year and hope for a miracle. And we made it happen. So that's why I say, like, I, I, I took a, a huge breath of just delivery and, and a sigh of just, you know, wow, I, I'm, I'm, over the, I'm over the fence now. I'm, I'm good to go. And I think my 10K showed great dominance in that 10K. And I think that 10K just showed how well I can perform when I'm feeling confident and loose. You were swimming, I, I think it was, I, I saw you at the Playsax mile, the, the, the Robert Playsack. And, 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 and I remember you coming out saying, you know, open water is a whole different game. Yeah, and which you call that, yourself. That, that race is cursed for me. I, I tried so hard to win that race. I never won it. It's, it's your race. It's a sprint. <laughs> well, it's very tricky. The sighting in that race is, is very tricky. And it's, it's always like in the beginning of the season. So after a long break, usually I take long breaks after Worlds and just kind of go and cold turkey it over there and hang out with, with Bob and all the guys. So that's probably a couple of good reasons why I, I never won it. We're talking about the Tiburon Mile, and it's a sprint from Angel Island into Tiburon. Very exciting. But what's interesting is that, you know, how would you describe yourself at, at that time, you know, heading into London where you, you know, it's like I would, all your experience was in the pool. You know, did you have your open water legs underneath? I mean, you obviously won, but it's like how much experience had, did, had you, did you have going into that race? You know, I still was a thoroughbred pool swimmer. I still took pride in, in being the best in the pool, and that's all that mattered to me. I mean, um, it's kind of a snobbish attitude to the sport, but that was the reality of it back in the day. And I think it's changed now, and I think I played a big part in, you know, um, legitimizing the 10K, being the, the first, you know, pool swimmer to win it after a few have tried and failed. Um, so yeah, I mean, the main focus was the pool and then we had a chance for distance athletes to, to have an extra event in the Olympic program. So why not take a stab at it and see what happens? But the meat of it all was in the, it was in the 1500 and then the big surprise was, was the 10 K. So very happy that, uh, I got a chance to, to, to race some of the best and, you know, one of the best, which was the German, uh, who dominated the sport for so long. And, and unfortunately the Olympics were cursed for him and never won that elusive gold medal. And I was once again, you know, between a legend and his elusive gold medal in the, in the tank, which is, I'm talking about obviously Thomas Lors and, um, and I was hooked. I was, I was really hooked. I think open water, uh, I can say from experience that it's a very tough adjustment. It doesn't mean if you're a great pool swimmer and an amazing distance swimmer, it doesn't mean that those skills are going to equate in the, in the open water. It, that doesn't mean anything. 
um, everything gets readjusted and, and, you know, you have to make, you have to, you know, earn your stripes. So, um, two or three races we planned for that Olympic season before the Olympic qualifier and ultimately before the Olympic games. The first one we did was in Mexico, which was a beautiful setting, you know, and I love that, 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 that the different setting from the pool, you're, 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 in, you're in like tropical area, crystal clear water, cool conditions. I fell in love with, with the nature of it all, but I did all the mistakes possible. I mean, I took the lead from early on and, and just was doing some backstroke to see where I'm at. I, I did a lot of sighting mistakes. So I learned a lot from that first race. Second race was, um, was actually the Olympic qualifier and I won that. We made some the necessary adjustments and then I won the Olympic qualifier with the top 10 guys not being there. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And then the Olympic race, knowing that, you know, I just did a 1440 in the pool, I knew that was going to be tough to, to beat. And we, we had a very smart strategy going into it. And I think I, um, I executed it very well. And what I wanted to do was to really make a push in that last loop and hang on till the end, which was very risky. And it's, it's still a risky strategy. And I don't think um, anybody has done it ever since or anybody has swam the 10K ever since where you just kind of take off from the peloton and, and hang, hang on to the finish line. So um, very proud of that race. I think uh, winning, being the first uh, swimmer to win Olympic gold in the pool in open water is a, is a cool title that I'm proud of. It's a really cool title. Is there, in terms of just feeling and experience, what was more, what was more emotional and fun? The first medal in the pool or the surprise open water 10K gold? Oh, the, the, the fifteen hundred meter on the pool by by a mile. I mean, uh, the, the, that was um, that was definitely a fun a fun event. You know, just jumping in that that the London pool and the prelims and going fourteen forty seven, feeling super smooth, super light on the water. Going into the Olympic finals, second. I mean, the whole country was buzzing just between prelims and finals. It was cool. And then, you know, hopping on a, my second Olympic podium in, in London. Yeah, I was very happy. I mean, it, it meant to me more than, than anything in the world, to be honest with you. Coleman is going to jump in here with a lot of swim nerd talk. He's going to try to die. He's going to dig in <laughs> deep. But I just want to say one thing. I, I became an O's fan in, in 08, watching you beat Hackett. Now, I didn't know that I liked you until we did an Olympic parent. We did an Olympic <laughs> appearance in Mexico. I think it was for yeah, the Mexican. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun trip. The Mexican Swimming Federation. It was swank. It was cool. It, you know, and frankly, it was, it was Mark Spitz, Rowdy Gaines, Jason yeah. Muzak, uh, Josh Davis, you, me. I can't remember who else it was. But it was a, it was a, it was a big crew. And we didn't have to talk. Like, all the talking was Mark Spitz. And I love Mark. I had, I, I, it's the most fun I've ever had with Mark Spitz ever. But we're up there and Mark is doing a speech 
And, and we're sitting in front of, I don't know, it, it must've been thousands of people. And he would say a sentence and then they would translate it. And I was like, I have no idea what Mark's talking about. He was just <laughs> going on tangent after tangent after tangent. And I just remember you looked at me and Rowdy looked across the wingback chairs. We were in a ring of wingback chairs. And you started me laughing. And I'm like, I was, and I was stricken by fear and laughing. And because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used, more, I'm used, I'm used to Mark because I mean, he, he, he came to SC because I think uh, his kid looked at the school and he lives in LA. And we actually, for a while, we're sharing, me and his wife were sharing the same chiropractor in, in Beverly Hills. So I, I'm used to the way Mark is, but I, I've never seen him in action like that. He's, he's the champ of, of you know speaking engagements and he uh, he proved it once again in mexico during that that rally or that that you know so it was kind of cool for me to first see his speeches and see his interaction with his fans and with his peers around him it was a very very special very special happening that day it was, it was it was like two days of just stand and wave it was standard olympian stand and wave and they pay you pretty well and it was one of the most fun I've had on the, on trips with Olympians. It was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Hopefully they they'll invite us back. I haven't been invited back. Maybe they saw me laughing, and I and that's the reason why. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have oh, so no you're idea, blaming on I, me. Okay. I, 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 I would just throw you under the bus and say, "Have me back." It's all Osa's fault. Please, please, Mexican Federation, invite us back. We'll behave. <laughs> Do you, do you have a uh, another? Do you have another team trip or anything that you did that was kind of uh, a story you might be able to share? That's that's interesting. I'm putting you on the spot. I know you, you can push off, but you may, you never know. It's got to be PG-13 though. No, I think that story tops it all. I think we got to leave it to that story. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. We're keeping everything else under the cone of silence, and. Uh, I, th I think Coleman, Coleman wants, you have, you have, there's one event in his research and he thought that this was the most amazing event of all time. And he wanted to ask you about it. In 2011, you went to the Pan Arab Games <laughs> where you, where according to your Wikipedia page, you won 15 gold medals and a silver. And I don't like, I, I think you beat out, uh, fellow Trojan Katinka Hozu for like most wins at a single meet ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that meet was, was very special because it was, uh, and Doha and Doha is all about sports. Uh, obviously their, their politics are built around sports to, to, you know, get the, the country to international fame. And, um, for that meet, you know, they put prize money for the first time. They put prize money for, for every medalist. And then they threw in a prize money for, for the, um, the, the athlete, the, the most winning athlete of the games, all sports combined. And I won that. So definitely put a carrot in front of me. I'm going to try to chase it hard. And, um, that's what I did. Um, it was very, uh, uh, I don't want to say disrespectful to the rest of the swimmers, but I mean, I was just hopping on and off of, I, I pretty much entered all the races and it was very tough competition. I mean, just to give you an idea, I think I won the 200 fly in 158. That's respectable. Even by Mel's standards. 
And uh, I think I won the 100 free in 49, and I won the 200 free in 148. It's who I am, 200. I mean, it was a fast meet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> there could be a new level of love for Osama Maluli. What have you been? You've been a 49 and 100 meter free? Was it short course? Yes, sir. It was short, <laughs> it was short course, wasn't it? It was short course meters. No. 49 had a freestyle. Yeah. What is your best 100 meter free short uh, long course meters? It's 49.7 or 49.6. Do anything under, if you can go 14.40 to win gold in the mile, but you can pop, turn around and pop a 49.7. I think and the more impressive. The more impressive is, is my 4IM, you know, just being a miler and swimming the 4IM. Not a lot of people did that double besides me and Vance. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I know a lot of people swam 400IM and the mile. But nobody, you're mm. correct. You are absolutely correct. No one was dominant on, on, the, on the global stage swimming both those events. You, yeah, and you've got medals. You've got medals in 400IM. It's impressive. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But the 49,700 free. I mean, your vertical leap's like two inches, right? You've got no explosive power. <laughs> not far, yeah. Not, not very explosive on land, that's for sure. My did starts are not the best either. Did you negative split the 100-meter free when you went to 49.7? You know, I, I got pretty good going out speed, you know, and just kind of carried it. I'm not sure what the splits were. I didn't care. I was just ecstatic that I went under 50. <laughs> It, it sounds like a fun meet. 15 medals. You were Katinka before Katinka was Katinka. Um, is that a good payday? Can you tell us what you made? Or is that, is that, is that a little bit too personal? Yeah, it was, it was, it was public. Uh, I think they, they put on $5,000 for a gold medal, which is a big payday by anybody's standards. And I think there was um, $75,000 uh, for, for the all winning all together. Oh. So it was a nice campaign, yeah. So that's like well, that's well over a hundred thousand. That's yeah, like for that mean. That's like almost one hundred fifty thousand. Just was for a, around one hundred fifty k. Yeah, it's pretty. You're that's living awesome. a swank life. So that was, you, that, was, that was once in a lifetime. <laughs> you swam. You swam six, 16 events, and how, how many days was the meet or the swimming portion? I guess seven days. Okay. okay. Nice. That's was it. Prelims finals. Prelims finals, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry that we're stuck on this one thing, but it, <laughs> it's it, so it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, you won. <laughs> Not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. You you won you won this big bag of cash. You got all these medals. You should. You, I think I don't. I don't think Phelps has never gone to a meet and won that many medals in one meet. Has he? No, I'm no. sure. Yeah. No. No, no, he hasn't. Way. He hasn't. He, well, he, he, <laughs> no he way. Eight medals in 2008. He didn't go anywhere and win 15. <laughs> It's like we got to re we got to rewrite the history books. I'm just glad we're diving into this now. And you went to 49.7. That's right. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mel. No, yeah. Here's my here's my thing. This is what I want to talk to you about. You are a computer science major graduate from USC, but I'm just want to tell everybody while we're live and on the air, and it's not going to be edited out that you could not get onto Zoom. You couldn't figure it out. That's not true. Actually, you had the wrong link. But that, You're just mad I was five minutes late. <laughs> You're five minutes late. It's, it's actually, I was like, man, this guy's got a computer science degree from USC. He can't get on a Zoom call. What's I up? Had to update, I had to update my Zoom uh, thingy. 
you zoom the all right well you know we, we we're loving here's the thing though that's that's a that's a pretty hard four years undergrad at a great school is this something that you'll ever work with will you use your degree in any way you know computer science was very tough degree to to have it's it's a lot of labs a lot of uh time commitment to to the coursework but i knew going going into my junior year that was not going to be my professional calling as i was progressing through my my uh swimming career and uh and did some things post uh post grad and got my um post graduate degree i have a master's in education from usc because at the time i was thinking about going to um athletic administration track and going to um going to that and then i kept on swimming and in the meantime, I did some some investments of, of my own back in Tunisia and, and here in the States. And um, that helped me, you know, secure passive income for me to keep doing what I'm doing and and keep on chasing the dream. Here we are still training for my six consecutive Olympic Games, hopefully, which will be um, a platform for me to say goodbye to the sport in Tokyo and, and end my career there. And you've been a little bit vocal. I don't want to bring you down, but you've been vocal about the water temperature there in Tokyo. Is that is that is it still a concern for you? I think it's a huge concern. It should be for everybody. Um, I think USA Swimming would agree with me that the standards have to uh, be met, and um, you know it can be very dangerous to swim in, in high temperature waters for a long time. Um, for people that don't understand the feeling, just try to put a treadmill in the sauna for a little while and see how you feel. Um, it's very concerning, I think. Um, I'm sure, however, that the, the IOC and the, and the Japanese Olympic Committee will, will put together a good show and we'll find, I think they, ju they just announced that the, the area is gonna be changed. So hopefully the new venue will be cooler. All right, we're down to about seven minutes. Um, and I just, as, as an observation, every time I talk to you, I always tell you the future prime minister of Tunisia. But after the context, if you're telling me what happened 2011, 2012, uh, I feel kind of bad. But it's, I, but I always say that because it's like you, I've, I've seen you speak, I've seen you handle yourself. You seem like a leader to me. Is it, uh, will, will you, do you keep a residence back in Tunisia? Do you stay, you know, are you stay, are you connected to your roots? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I talk to my parents every day. I, uh, my parents are still there. Uh, my oldest brother is still there. My whole family is there. Um, you know, the U.S. has been home away from me, home away from home for me for this past 18 years. So, um, you know, try to live my life between there and here. And, and uh, they've been amazing support for me and for me, you know, pursuing what I love and doing what I do. So very grateful for my family and had a lot of love for my country and a lot of love from a lot of people really that, you know, followed me and supported me. During the, during the, it's been a, a tough time with the shutdown. What, what have you done to, to stay sane? You know, at the time when um, COVID broke out, I was in Flagstaff, Arizona training and uh, the hotels were shut down. The pool was, was shut down up there. So I had to come down to LA and I was pretty much um, locked in my apartment in downtown LA for seven weeks. So, um, 
not much to do just on my peloton doing some cardio and you know doing some you know simple exercises at home to to stay in shape but i gained a lot of weight which is uh tough to lose at, at this age but i'm working on it how much weight did you gain come on i pretty much gained like probably upwards of 15 pounds easy yeah that's why but here's the thing when you stop swimmers at the elite level they stop swimming and guys especially a nice sized guy is going to put on 10 15 pounds fast yeah. yeah you'd be surprised how fast you can gain it yeah absolutely yeah it's uh here's a, you, you can push off on this but you you did have like some physical challenges that you've had to overcome all elite athletes deal with little problems here and there a mutual friend called me diana nyad and i'm like she had an issue so she i put you guys in touch with each other and then she went on to swim from the what did she swim the keys cuba to the keys right yeah yeah um so it's so you helped an elite athlete accomplish something amazing did you act did you did you follow that closely no, I don't. I don't think I can take credit for her accomplishment. But yeah, we, oh, we spoke. No, she came. She came to SC and watched my stroke and kind of gave her some some tips on technique because she was trying to change her freestyle technique. And obviously, the, some of the PT stuff that I was doing that you know she she always knew, but it was kind of a reinforcement of what she needed to do to stay on track. It's a pretty pretty impressive moment. Two big stars in open water, and. Uh, but you're very gracious, very gracious guy. Is it so? Here's the thing, Coleman. I'm I'm hogging him because I like him so much. I'm fanboying over here. Did you want to ask him any other questions? I mean, we're down to just under four minutes. But um, you know, when you when you first came to SC, I'd like to hear a little bit about your origin story and swimming for Schubert before Salo got there. Um, Could we get into that just a little bit? Yeah, well, I was at the time I was in France, and um, you know, I was pretty much locked in to go to Berkeley. To be honest with you, um, the guys at Berkeley did an amazing job recruiting me. They were on a witch hunt for a Tunisian employee on campus for like two weeks, and then they found this guy that worked somewhere on campus and got him on the phone in North. Nort's uh, office and they called my, my family back in Tunisia. My mom picks up the phone and is like, I'm so-and-so. I'm sitting in so-and-so's office. They want your kid to come swim here. My mom hangs up the phone and calls me and she's like, you're going to Cal. It's done. I don't care where you want to go. <laughs> so, so I committed. I committed to Berkeley and I was pretty much set to go to Berkeley that summer. And then uh, Mark calls me and, you know, with his, with his voice, this is Mark Schubert. I want you to come swim for me. You're going to be the next greatest I am in the world. And, and he had it all set up. It was just textbook Mark. He, he had it all set up. Just no, no BS, no sugar coating, just straight to the goal. And, um, you know, we had, we talked for five minutes and next thing I, you know, I hang up the phone and called my parents. So I'm going to LA. I'm going to go train with Mark Schubert and Eric Fant at the time, who was who was my idol and still, you know, to me, one of the greatest guys that I know. So, um, yeah, and as a lot of people know, Mark Schubert is, uh, his, his, his track record speaks for himself, for itself. So he's an amazing coach and, um, you know, he's been an amazing partner and he helped me 
he helped me lay the foundation of some great things that, that I've done in my career. And he's definitely one of those guys that's, that's, uh, that's a disciplinary, so he expects a lot from you. And he knows what it takes, so he'll tell you this is what, what it takes. There's just no BS around it. And I respect that. I think a lot of people shy away from that type of leadership, and a lot of people can't handle that. But I think I respect that. I think that he, he presented a lot of challenges, and he challenged me the right way. And I rose to that challenge, and it brought me to where I am today. So until this day, when I see Mark, I'm, I tell him thank you. I'm very grateful for the opportunities that he's given me. And I think all the swimmers that swam for Mark will, will say the same thing. He's just a wonderful ally to have and, and a great coach to, to swim for. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.